We still do got it. Whenever, whenever you want. All right. So, as always, before we start, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given me to minister to your children. Pray, Lord, that you will give me the right words to speak and uh, use me to communicate effectively as you need me to do. And it's in the name of Jesus, pray and believe. Amen. All right, so this teaching is called Life Versus Death. And this is a, I want to contrast life and death. Like the title says, Life Versus Death. And in this teaching, uh, I will focus at the, with the origin of life and the origin of death and see how that applies to us today as believers and uh, I will start talking about death first, and then we'll begin talking about life. And then at the end, I'll, uh, in the summary, I'll kind of put it together for you so you can understand. All right. So let's talk about death. And this, I guess this is the intro to death, if you want to call it like that. And uh, the first time we see death mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis Chapter 2, and uh, we'll go to verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, and this is, by the way, the King James Version. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So this is a commandment that God is telling Adam. You eat this, you will die. But then he, we know what happens. He goes ahead and eats it, but he lives another 900 years. Hmm. So what, is, uh, what does that mean? How in the world does that happen? So we, we definitely have to understand what kind of death is he talking about. Now, I'm not going to take the time to talk about this, but once again, this is a key foundational teaching that a Christian has to understand, that we are spirit being, we possess a soul, and we live in a physical body. And when God said, you should surely die, he meant spiritual death. And spiritual death is separation from God, who is life. So what God was telling Adam, the day that you eat, actually, this is, I'll put it like this. If you disobey me, you will be separated from me. And God is life. And if you're separated from life, you will be joined to death. Now, so, in a, let's turn there to John chapter 17. This is what it says, John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal, that thy might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. 
So when Adam were in the garden, when I say Adam, that means the both the man and the woman, because when God created the man and the woman, he called them Adam. Eve wasn't called Eve until after the fall. And you see that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. So when Adam were in the garden, they had a relationship with God, and the Lord will reveal himself to them. When they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were separated from God. They were separated from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or life. And because we know God is life. So the death that God met in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, was a spiritual death, which is separation from himself. And as you know, if you're separated from life, you are joined to death. So, now let us look at the effects of death. What, so now he's separated, what, what does that look like? And the obvious answer is, look at the world. But let's go to the scripture and see what, how, how it plays out. And uh, let's go to John chapter 9. Verse, we'll start in verse 1. I mean, John chapter, yeah, we'll start in verse 1. In the beginning, wait, I wanted John chapter 1. Wow. John chapter 9, verse 1. Just as, and as Jesus, this is King James Version, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, before I proceed, I want to talk about that for a second. From that question that they ask, then it implies two things that obviously sin is the reason why he's blind, but we just don't know whose sin. Is it his sin or his parents? But the bottom line is sin is the issue. That's, the, that's what the question implies. Now look at the response that Jesus gives. In verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither have this man sinned, nor his parents but the works of God should be made manifest in him. Let's come there for a little bit. Neither this man sinned, nor his parents, is the answer. So in his response, Jesus doesn't deny sin be the issue. He simply denies that it was the parents' sin, or the man's sin that caused his blindness. So, we now we he inadvertently confirms sin is the problem, but not the parents or his sin. So now the question is, whose sin then is the problem that this man is born blind? And you can apply that in sickness, in any immoral, all the immoralities. Sin is the problem, but now whose sin is the question there that we have to answer? And for that, let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. This is what it says. Wherefore, actually, I'm going to read from a different translation. 
I'm going to try a New Living Translation. And Adam's sin, when Adam's sin, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So right there, we know Adam's sin is the cause. And from that, I want to actually read again from a different translation. This is a complete Jewish Bible. This way it says, here is how it works. It was through one individual that sin entered the world, and through sin, death, and in this way, death passed through to the whole human race inasmuch as everyone sinned. Do you see that? Adam's sin is the problem. Is the, his sin is what caused death to come and reign over us. So when Adam sinned in the garden, he opened the door for sin to come into the world and sin brought with it death or the devil. Not only did death come into the world, but it ruled everybody who was born into it. In Psalms 51 verse 5, David says this, True, I was born guilty, was a sinner from the moment my mother conceived me. In Romans 3.23, Paul says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, since we are all born into sin, death ruled over every human being that was born into the world. And then if you uh, go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15 and 68, you see the effects of death. And I'm going to just read a couple. So that is a Deuteronomy, or Deuteronomy, as some might pronounce. Chapter 28, starting from verse 15. And I'm going to just read a couple because that's a, kind of a, lot, that's a lot of scriptures. All right, we'll start verse 15. But it shall come to pass... If thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And I have to stop there and explain this. As a New Testament believer, you have to understand when you read the Old Testament, you have to be careful to properly divide the word because in the Old Testament, God's dealing with them was based on their obedience to his word. It's still true for us today, but it has changed. God's dealing with us is based on Jesus and what Jesus did. Because Jesus was obedient, then God will respond to me. Because Jesus was perfect, then God responds to me. It's no longer based on my actions, but it's based on what Jesus did. But anyway, so let's go to verse 16. Cursed shall you be in the city, cursed shall you be in the field. I mean, all these different curses you see here in Deuteronomy 28. I mean, verse 20, you see, The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that sitteth thine hand. I mean, you can just read on on and on of different curses. I mean, there's blindness, there is poverty, there is madness, there is, I mean, your wife's been taken away. I mean, there's all kinds of curses. But 
in your spare time, just go read through and see what it says. And that's all those are the effects of death. Now, since we let's get to the good part. So that's death. Now let's talk about life. And so this is the introduction to life. Let me uh, wet my whistle. Hmm, man, I did not know talking this much can be work. Okay. So let us go to John chapter 10. Now we're talking about life. Now we've done with death, but at the end, after I'm done talking about life, I will kind of put them together so you can understand how the two interrelate inter with each other. John chapter 10, verse 10. This is what he says. This is Jesus talking. The thief cometh, the thief here is talking about the devil. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that thy might have life, and thy might have it more abundantly. Okay? Now, what he's saying here is that what Adam lost in the garden was the life of God. When he was separated from God and joined, into death, joined to death. Now, when Jesus comes, he's here to restore what Adam lost in the garden. And that is the life of God. And also, uh, in the book of John, forget when the scriptures, Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the life of God now. That when we believe him, we are joined to him. And now we can have the life that God intended. But anyway. So what are the effects of life? Now let's get back to our scripture of John chapter 9, verse 1. Uh, I'll just start over again. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this no neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now I wanna come to a little bit more and talk about what what Jesus said here we can it's very important that you don't miss this. He, this is what he said, but the works, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And if you keep on, actually, let's just keep on reading this. Verse four, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay on the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. So he goes and heals the man. Now from this passage, you see what the works of God are. 
And in a nutshell, the works of God are this, to restore what Adam lost by bringing life into the equation. Where there's death, life is being restored. And in John, not John, but Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21, Jesus tells us what the works of God are. And this is what he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what life does. All those are the works of God, and they bring life and life more abundantly. And let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 18. This is what he says. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through man's through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. When Adam sinned, death came through sin, and when Jesus obeyed God till the death, life came through righteousness. And that's what happened at the cross. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it states that we are the righteousness of God. Since I am righteous, I can expect life to reign through me and in me. Let's read that. First Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians, I mean. Chapter 5. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Remember, Christ's death has made us righteous in him. Uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. This is what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the free gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Once again, this is restoring what was lost in the garden. Uh, let us, uh, yeah, we'll just read. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2. Yeah, we have a couple more scriptures before I'm done, but I'm close to being done. Uh, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Once again, we're going back to the original plan of God. His life was intended to flow out of us into this earth. And that's what Galatians is talking about. That Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. When I get born again, my spirit is renewed. And now I have to work out that salvation from my spirit 
into my soul, into my body, into this physical world. And one of the works of Jesus all this life is to cast away death. And from John chapter 9, what we just read, there was a blind man. That's an effect of death. Life came into the equation and dispelled death. And that man was restored to the full capacity that God created him. And uh, another scripture I want us to look at is uh, John chapter 14, verse 12. This is what it says. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than this shall he do, because I go unto my Father. What is he saying? Because now we have life, like he had life. We can do the same things that life did on this planet. And one of them you see here in John chapter 9. And throughout his own ministry, anytime there was any death situation, life came in and changed the situation from death to life. And that's what we're supposed to do as believers. And uh, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, but the first 14 verses, you see all the effects of life that you can experience on this earth. Now I want to talk how in the world do these two... Because I've kind of, at the end, I was kind of bringing them, was kind of talking about both, both death and life. But how does, how does this work? Is a question that I'm, I'm gonna try to, kind of explain. So, in in conclusion of all that I've been talking about, sin is the root of death, and righteousness is the root of life. And every time in the Bible it talks about healing or anything of the sort, the first thing it states is the forgiveness of sin, then the effects of righteousness. And you're like, what did you just say? Let's go to Psalms chapter 103. Now that's a big one right there. This is what it says. We'll start from verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities? Forgiveness of sin. Then what does he do? Who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. And you can read all the wonderful things, but all those does not happen until the forgiveness of sin, until the root of death, which is sin, is dealt with, and righteousness is restored, then life comes into play, and you see life working. And the scripture I want you to look at is, uh, well, there's two of these 
But I'll okay, we'll just read both of them. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought and behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, oh, actually, let me read a different translation. This King James is, my goodness, how in the world do they speak back in the day? Uh, this is New Living Translation. I give up on that King James. One day while Jesus was teaching this a whole lot better. My goodness. Let me drink some water because that is. Woo. Anyway. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting by. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. And some men came crying, carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off their, some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man this, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers were the teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God, only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what, what they were thinking, so he asked, Why Why do you ask this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. What is that? What just happened there? The sin was dealt with. And hence, the fruit, which is death, can be dealt with. So, that's another proof I want you to see. You deal with the root. The fruit is dealt with. Sin is the root. Death is a fruit. Another scripture. And this is in Isaiah chapter 5, chapter 53, verse 5, and also 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It talks about the healing. By his stripes we were healed. Why is that significant? He, Jesus dealt with our sin on the cross, and the fruit of it was life. And that's all that's going on there. Now, last scripture, and we're done. When Christ became a curse for us, he was separated from God and took our punishment so that we can be united to God or life. Do you understand that? He took our sins, he took our punishment so that 
we can be joined to life. He became death, so we can become life. He became sin, so we can become righteousness. And that's the whole purpose of Jesus coming. And that's what I pray that you received what I've shared with you. And for some of you who disagree with some of the things I've said, please look at the scriptures, study them. Anyway, that's it for tonight. Thank you for listening. Amen.